see evil in our world, uh, and we know that you have sent your Son to rescue your people from evil, um, Lord, and we are evil. We deserve your wrath, um, and yet you have rescued us, and we thank you for your grace and your kindness, that you loved us where we are, and yet you didn't leave us where we are. Uh, you, you are changing us, even as we've been talking about during this equipping hour. Lord, we pray um, just for the opportunities, um, we pray for further opportunities this week as a church to interact with others. We thank you for answer prayer in that with Emily, having an opportunity with the um, fellow at Ace, and I pray that you would work uh, the truth that was heard, that you would implant that in his soul, and that you would change him, um, even as you've changed us. You love to save, Father, and so we desire to see more people saved and more people converted for the sake of your name and your glory. Um, we pray for your blessing on this time, for clarity, um, and thinking about how we change and transform and grow into Christ-likeness. Um, and we ask these things and pray them in your name. Amen. Okay, um, so just to remind you, um, you know, if you're to think broad scope, where have we been? We spent a lot of time on, in Christ, we are sanctified. We're brought out of the realm of the common into the realm of the holy. Uh, we are uncommon. Um, we're trying to draw near to God and to his presence. That's the ultimate end of the Christian life is being able to dwell uh, uninhibited in God's presence and basking in his glory. So we've talked about that kind of positionally, and then what we've said is we're, we've transitioned uh, to talking about, okay, if that's who we are positionally, how do we, how do we reflect that position through our action in life, and how do we grow? How do we transform uh, in reflecting the holy position that we've been called to? And so we've talked a lot about that. Um, let's just do a, a little bit of review from the last couple weeks. Uh, how could we characterize this transformation? What are we... Uh, there's a particular language that's been used in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 um, uh, th that talks about what that transformation is like. What is our transformation like? What, what's happening in our transformation as Christians? And what we've talked about the last couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. So 2 Corinthians 3 talks about that reality of, um, you know, Moses has to veil his face because God's glory is so intense, but now um, we, through the gospel, have face unveiled, and what? We're beholding the glory of Christ uh, through the mirror of the word, whether we're talking the written word or the word proclaimed, ultimately the gospel, the mirror is the gospel, and we're beholding Christ's glory, and as we behold Christ's glory, we are transformed. Uh, transformed how? Transformed from what to what? So increasing glory, um, definitely, but there's another way 2 Corinthians 3 describes that, and it ties back with Genesis. The language of imagery. Yeah, image, image bearers. We are image bearers as Christians, right, which means we are designed uh, to be in an intimate relationship with God, but also to reflect that glory, that image, to the rest of the world. That's our original design. It's been marred. It's been broken through sin. Christ is the perfect image as a human and as God. Um, and so when we talk about transformation as a Christian, we're talking about being transformed into Christ-likeness because he is that ultimate image. So it's image restoration. It's a restoration of function, the function we were supposed to have from the beginning. Okay, so we've been talking about that. 
Now, last week we talked about Titus 2 uh, and just getting some ideas. How do we transform? And remember Titus 2 talked about grace. Grace, the grace of the gospel is what trains us. It trains us for righteousness. Uh, There's a standard, there's commands that we're going to talk about, but fundamentally, um, we see this in 2 Corinthians 3, we see this in Titus 2, grace is the core. Grace is what God has done, the amazing reality of what God has done in the gospel, and we rehearse that into our minds every single day, it's what transforms us. It's the fuel um, that transforms us. Um, And so even last week we visited briefly, you can go ahead and turn there if you want, Romans 12, we went kind of th- quick through this, but um, Romans 12, 1 through 2, it's the same reality. He says, uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, uh, on what basis does he appeal to them? The mercies of God, which is another way of describing the gospel. Uh, Romans 1 through 11, where he's laid out the gospel and he said, here are the mercies of God. And based on those, I'm going to appeal to you to do something, and here's the appeal, to present your bodies a sacrifice, so we get some temple imagery there, living, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your, uh, it's a hard word to translate, but reasonable service, your service in the temple, this is the reasonable response uh, to what God has done in the gospel. So we see that same reality, grace training us for godliness. And he goes on, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Same word that was used in 2 Corinthians uh, 3. But be transformed, what? By the renewing of the mind, in order that you may approve by testing uh, the will of God, uh, the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God is the idea. Uh, And so the idea is uh, there's a new element here of renewal, renewal of the mind. Um, grace is the fuel. We see God's grace in the gospel. It's training, it's training us, uh, but we, we need to change. We need to be transformed. What is emphasized in Romans 12, 1 through 2? What's the change that we're looking for? What particular change does he highlight? And he highlights a few things. So Renewing your mind, right? Uh, our thinking needs to change. Uh, not just our thinking, but there's a key reality, and we're going to see this elsewhere this morning, where our thinking, how we think, uh, needs to change. Um, and uh, not just thinking, but affections and will. I mean, when the Bible talks about the inner person, it's not just your mind, it's not just your heart, it's not just your affections, it's all of those, it's not just your will, it's all of those things smushed together, because we're complex beings that God has created. And yet, uh, there's a way in which our thinking and our affections and our desires need to change so that we do what God wants us to do, so that we can be those um, pleasing sacrifices to God. Any questions or comments up to this point? We're just kind of reviewing where we've been. Okay, so go ahead, then let's go to a new place this morning. Go to Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 4, you, you guys are probably already familiar with this passage, but Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, is um, one of the key texts for understanding how we grow, how we transform as Christians. Um, so someone go ahead and read uh, verses, uh, uh, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, and let's meditate on it a little bit. Who would like to read that? Now this I say and testify in the Lord. 
All right, I'm going to pause you right there because there's a but in verse 20, uh, but we need to understand uh, everything up to that point. Okay, so what do we see in verses 17 through 19? Yeah, how you used to live, which is what? How does he describe how you used to live? Darkened, yeah, darkened in what? In the understanding, right? So we got some more that, under, uh, that not, yes, in sin, but uh, it's particularly in understanding, in the way we think. Um, I mean, we do what we do because, I mean, we think it through, we, we have our affections, we have our desires, we have our will, we have our thought processes, but it all coalesces um, to, to act, right? Uh, but there's a darkness in, um, apart from Christ, there's a darkness in understanding. Uh, how else does he describe that? Yeah, alienation from the life of God. God is pure life. I mean, that's the whole thing of the tabernacle, right? God is pure life, which is scary, actually, because you can't, uh, if you have, uh, remember, uncleanness had to relate to death, right? So sin um, is connected with death. All those other things we talked about in Leviticus, they're related to death. Well, death gets burned away by God's life, right? So uh, you're alienated from the life of God because what? You're, you're in the realm of death, ultimately, to some, um, to some degree or another. And uh, we're, I mean, as Paul says elsewhere in Ephesians, we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. Okay, how else does he describe it? Al- uh, dark, yeah, darkened, alienated. Why? What reasons does he give that the darkness and the alienation? Ignorance, right? So again, we get that, that language of the mind. Um, but notice, it's not just ignorance like, oh, I don't know a fact. What kind of ignorance is it? Yeah. Notice the hardness of heart drives the ignorance. It's not a lack of knowledge. It's a hardness of heart. Um, the, the, the heart uh, dead, the heart in sin, the heart as rebel against God, that's what drives ignorance. Um, it's, it's not that I don't know some facts, so I'm going to be, uh, and if I knew them, I would be converted. It's that my heart is in rebellion, therefore my mind is dulled. This is called the nuthetic effects of sin, that um, your mind is dulled. You make, sin makes you stupid. Let's just put it that way. Sin makes you dumb. Um, and that's what you see at, um, here, okay? Uh, any other things you're seeing in that, that section about how we used to live? Okay, Ken, go ahead and pick us back up in verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Hebrews, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, very good. So, uh, it's, uh, he's saying, okay, don't walk this way like you used to walk, but walk this way. Um, and how does he describe that? Yeah, yeah it's literally old, old man, new man. Uh, now, think about that language in terms of what we were talking about earlier of image. Uh, what's, what's he talking about, old man, new man, in terms of that, that language of image?
Who's, what's, what's the old man? Yeah, the, the unconverted self, right? Uh, what's another way we could describe that? The old man. Dead in our trespasses. It's, the, it's, it's us in Adam, right? Adam means man, right? That, that, that's what the word Adam means. Um, so when we talk about the old man, we're being the old Adam, right? Uh, the, the nature we have inherited from our uh, first father, um, the nature of sin, the nature of death, the, the image of God marred, not fully destroyed. We, everyone's in the image of God. Um, but uh, there's an old man. Um, how does he describe that old man or the old self? Corrupt. Yeah, corrupt how? Yeah, deceitful lusts. Now, what, what kind of lusts are these? It says deceitful lusts. What does he mean by deceitful lusts? Yeah, they're not true. What do you mean? Exactly, that's temptation, right? Um, each one's carried away by his own, his idiosyncratic, uh, it's like his, his own very own kind of peculiar to him lusts or desires. Um, and they're deceitful because they're promising something that they can't deliver, right? That's how sin works. Uh, it promises something that it can't deliver on, even the first sin. We can think about that. There's a promise that it's going to deliver something and it doesn't deliver. It's a deceitful, um, it's a deceitful desire. Um, and so what does he tell us to do first? As we think about this, this, okay, don't walk this way, but walk this way. What's the first thing you do? Well, before removing the mind, what's he telling us to do? Well, that's the last step. There's three steps there, actually. So you guys have hit, what's the first one? Put off the old self. Get rid of the old self. Um, now, are we still going to face those same, uh, the temptation towards those same desires, those deceitful desires? Absolutely, right? So when those desires come, uh, what, um, what, what is putting off the old man look like? Yeah, get as far away from them as possible. No, that's what it looks like. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but we don't, and doesn't isn't that how we normally think about sin, right? No, 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 which is good. Uh, it's good to say no, but he doesn't stop there because what's the next step? You got to fill the void with the right things. Nature abhors a vacuum, right? Um, there's... <laughs> Uh, I think there's, there's this movie where the guy's talking. He says, if I tell you not to think about elephants, what are you thinking about? Elephants, right? Uh, so there's a sense in which you just only think about not sinning. What are you thinking about? The sin, right? So you got to do, do exact opposite. It's not enough to just say no, which we need to do. Don't get me wrong. We need to do that. But what do you do? You need to fill the vacuum. And so what is that first step in filling the vacuum? Renew your mind, which goes back to the same language we saw in Romans 12. Uh, how do we renew our minds? Yeah, so the Spirit has to uh, be active. That's the promise of the New Covenant, right? Remember the promise of the New Covenant. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. 
The Spirit's going to dwell in you, and he's going to um, cause you to obey God's law. He's going to cause you to obey God's law. He's going to take, um, he's going to make those commands, not only so that you know them, but he's going to make them effective in your life so that you obey them, Um, okay? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Proverbs 3, uh, that's well said, Gary, that, that we're, we're trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. What is, in a practical, I mean, like, let's think of, so that's the power, right? God's the one who empowers that renewal, but uh, how do we do it? How do we, how do we have our mind changed and renewed? Um, what do we go to? Yeah, the Word, right? And we've seen that, uh, even back to 2 Corinthians 3. What's the mirror? that the glory of Christ is being reflected to? Well, most immediately, it's the gospel. That's what Paul's talking about, the ministry of the new covenant in 2 Corinthians 3. But more broadly speaking, we could say the word, right? Uh, The word spoken and preached doesn't have to be written down, right? We're we're in an age where we get, everyone gets a Bible, right? But uh, even in other cultures in the world, but certainly for most of history, no one owned their own Bible. So the word preached, uh, the word spoken, the word sung, um, and uh, of course, uh, we are blessed to have the scriptures in our hands to where we can read them, right? Uh, how does scripture renew our minds? By the fruit of the Spirit, it also reveals it to Yep, good. Sure. Yes. Right. Yeah, the Spirit is going to, the way you put it, is he's going to illumine Scripture and show you that's sin. So now we get a catalog of don't do, of, don't do this, <laughs> right? This, this, this offends a holy God. Don't do this, right? Uh, but it's not only the, the knots, right? Um, uh, what else does the Spirit illuminate um, in our minds as we... Um, as we come to the scriptures. Good. Absolutely. Very well said, right? That um, scripture, we want to see God. Scripture is all about God. It's all about revealing God. He's the hero. Um, And so it reveals his character. And like um, Carol just said, it it makes us desire him. It, 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 It inflames our affections. Uh, um, it gives us taste uh, for who God is. We have no taste for God uh, apart from Christ, but then the Spirit gives us taste buds for God, and we feed those taste buds by feasting on the Word of God, right? We see His character. Uh, what else? How else does Scripture help us renew our minds? Mm hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what do we, not only what we don't do, uh, but it's also loving God and all of who he is. And then in response to that love, how do we reflect that? We love uh, the things that we love. We love to speak about. Uh, we love to devote our time to. 
uh, we want to involve others in. That's just natural in that sense. Uh, that's how God's wired us. Maybe that's a better way to put it. God's wired us to be worshipers. Um, and so we worship God, but worship always moves out. It wants to include others in the worship, um, and it wants to, uh, there's a right action uh, of worship in that. Yeah, Brenda. Yeah. And that's an important part. I think a couple of you brought it up, right? The body, right? Uh, how does the mind get renewed? Well, it gets renewed through the word, but um, this, is, this is why w- what we do on a Sunday morning is word-centric. Um, it, all of it's word-centric. Um, it, it, what do we do? We sing truth. We sing truth. We sing the word. Uh, we preach the word. Uh, we, we're going to have communion this morning. The, 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 the elements, the ordinances, are the gospel. They're pictures. They're, they're like multi-sensory pictures of the gospel, right? Uh, immersion into Christ and being raised with him. Uh, dying, uh, Christ's death, uh, and um, his, uh, the sacrifice of his body, his blood shed for us, right? They're pictures of the gospel. It's the word all over again. Um, so we are word-centric people because that word is that mirror whereby the glory of Christ is reflected and the glory of Christ coming through the word as the spirit applies it to us, changes us. Just like Moses, right? He beholds God's glory and he's changed. We want to behold God's glory through the word and all those forms, but particularly in the body as it's gathered, we do those things that are centered around the word because that is transformative. That is a way that our minds are uh, renewed. Uh, you can think about it this way. There's a multiplicative effect when you're around other believers. Um, when you've got Holy Spirit's in me, it's in you, it's in you, it's in you as a believer. But when we come together, it's dwelling amongst all of us. Uh, and there's, there's, a, there's a multiplicative effect of um, sanctification happening even in the midst of that. Yeah, Matt. Oh, okay, Mike then. <laughs> Right. Right, which would kind of transi- transition us into that third piece, which is what? In the text, in, in Ephesians 4. What's the third piece? So we got put off the old self. Put on. Yeah, so put off, renew, put on. Put off, renew, put on. Put off, renew, put on. So we've just been talking about renewing our minds through the scriptures, but then it moves out, right? Putting on the new self... Um, well, and how does he describe that? There's our holiness language, right? Uh, created after the likeness of God or by God uh, in righteousness and the holiness of truth, right? It's that image language again. Okay, put off the old Adam, put on the new Adam. Who's the new Adam? It's Christ, Christ likeness, right? So just like Mike was talking about, we think about how Christ interacted with the world. He was perfectly holy uh, and yet interacting with a sinful world uh, in displaying kindness and grace, uh, calling them to repentance um, and, and, um, and to his people. 
Um, so there's that aspect of it. What else, how, how else could we characterize putting on the new self? What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, well said. Like, and it goes back to that idea of deceit. There's deceitful lusts. They're trying to deceive us. So, how do we fight deceit? We fight deceit with truth. What's the truth? This is why we spent so much time on that position aspect, right? That the truth is in Christ, if you are in Christ, if you've been united with Christ by faith, then you are counted as holy, as righteous. And we're not striving for that position. That position's been given to us. But we are striving to what? Reflect what has been given to us. Um, we're trying to, again, it's that picture of maybe you got the janitor at some giant company, and he's just all of a sudden been promoted to upper management. Uh, well, he didn't deserve to be there in a sense, right? But he wants to live out, if he's, he's, he's sincere about what's happening, right? Like, he wants to live out and live up to the position that has been given to him, uh, which is empowered as, as a Christian by the Spirit to renew, renew our minds. But uh, Matt's absolutely right. How we think, how we think about ourselves, and we want to think about ourselves in Christ as how God thinks about us, uh, which is so essential, right? It sounds kind of corny, but... Like, but the scripture says this. In fact, we're going to go there uh, maybe today, but, but maybe next week, Romans 6. It says, reckon it to be true. Start there. Reckon it to be true. Because God says it's true, so therefore we believe that it's true. Uh, we start there, um, by, and then we live out that reality and that imagery. Uh, yeah, Tony, and then um, we'll do um, um, Steve. Yeah, exactly.
Mm -hmm. Like Matt's talking about, you have this deceitfulness. So it fools you into not thinking about yourself correctly. But if you are transformed in your mind by God, then the proof is that we will work together as one because now you're not disturbed with that deceitfulness in yourself. You're unifying now in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right. That comes in 4.11 through, well, even 4.1 through 16. And then, um, and then and what's neat is that you do see in 25 and following, uh, you kind of see this pattern worked out in specific issues. So he starts with falsehood, right? Um, put off the falsehood. Don't, don't, be, don't lie. Um, don't don't um, be characterized by falsehood. Um, let, but what's the put on, right? Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So whenever you're dealing with a specific sin, you always think about what do I need to put off, but what I need to put on in its place. Uh, go to the next one, right? Uh, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Uh, let not the sun uh, go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So uh, be angry in the right way. Don't be angry in the wrong way. Put off that. Be angry in the right way. Uh, there's a right way to be angry, uh, but give the devil no opportunity. Uh, keep going. Uh, verse 28. This one's maybe one of the clearest. Let the thief no longer steal, so put off, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in aid. When is a thief no longer a thief? Not when he stops stealing, but when he works hard to share with other people, right? Uh, you're doing the exact opposite. Putting on is doing the exact opposite of the sin that you're struggling and fighting against. Um, so as, and this is really practical. It really is. I mean, Paul makes it practical here, right? When you think about as a believer, as an individual, uh, as an individual believer, um, okay, I'm struggling with this sin. Well, usually we kind of know what I need to stop doing that. <laughs> But even we might think a little more concretely, okay, how is that showing up in my life? Uh, uh, how is that manifesting itself? So we think about the not. Okay, i, I got to stop that <laughs> because God is not pleased with that. But then uh, what, what does that renewal stage looks like? Okay, what does God's word have to say about this? What does it have to say about this specific sin? What truth is there that will help me uh, fight when I'm tempted towards that sin, uh, but also... Um, uh, yeah, just truths about God even. All those, uh, there's lots of truth that, to bring to bear on that specific issue. But then we don't even stop there. It's the put on, right? What's the exact opposite of what I have been doing that I should do? Uh, okay, I shouldn't steal. Uh, okay, I can read all sorts of scriptures about uh, um, God commanding me not to steal. God is not a thief. He's a giver. Uh, like, those are truths that could renew my mind. And then what? What's the exact opposite? Okay, I need to work hard uh, at whatever uh, legitimate occupation that God gives so that I can share. And so I'm putting on sharing. I'm putting on the exact opposite of the thing that I was struggling with. So I put them off the old man, the old Adam, and I'm putting on the new Adam. Uh, and oftentimes thinking about Christ himself. How did Christ act? Uh, that is helpful um, in thinking about, okay, what does the new man look like? Because it's Christ-likeness. We're trying to look like Christ. Uh, Steve, you were going to say something uh, a while ago. 
Yeah, God owns all of our being. God owns all of who we are. Not, uh, not merely the external action, but our internal person, including our thinking. God owns our thinking. Um, and so, like, even to think about, okay, um, sin begins in the mind. How do I put off the wrong way of thinking, and how do I set my mind on the things above? That's why even sometimes it's kind of weird, like, as Christians... Um, There'll be a specific, like, thoughts in your mind, and they're like, oh, these are evil thoughts. I don't want to think about these thoughts. You know, go away, thoughts. I need to confess them and repent of them. And that's true, but sometimes you kind of get into this weird, like, I need to confess before I move on to thinking the truth. And sometimes you just end up in that cycle of thinking what's evil rather than, okay, I know I'm thinking evil. I know I need to confess and repent of that, but I just need to read some truth. I'm going to crack the scriptures. I'm going to remember some Bible verses, whatever it, it takes, or I'm going to have my brother or sister preach truth to me to help me think rightly in this situation, to kind of be my external brain, um, to help me through this, uh, so that you're getting your mind set on truth um, um, and that put-on aspect of it, setting your mind on the, on the spirit. So, good. Uh, okay, what uh, other... Other thoughts on this? This is a very, very key. This is our paradigm for growth as Christians. Uh, we're always repenters. What does repentance look like? It's that overall global change of turning allegiance from sin and self. So how do we practice that? We practice that by put off the old man, renew the mind, put on. Put off, renew, put on. Uh, if you were to remember like one, th- one thing about transformation, remember that paradigm. Put off, renew, put on. That's what we do. Empowered by the Spirit, right? It's not us. We, we take very concrete actions, don't we? We work hard. It's hard to deal with sin. It, it's, la- it, it's, it's a labor. It's an effort. It's a work. And yet, it is one that is pa- empowered by the Spirit of God. That's how we know that work is uh, successful. That's the promise of, of the new covenant. So, uh, other thoughts or questions as we're, we're thinking through this? Well, it's, it's like, it's that reality, I mean, we talked about the position, right? So the, that, that reality is true, that positionally, if I'm in Christ, I've been united with Christ through faith, that is done. It is done, right? And that's back to what Matt's saying, right? We always, we always start there. We remember that because, again, what is God's grace, the gospel, what does it do? It trains us. But that's where we get into the second, you know, what we've been talking about, where we live, of transformation, the transformation, it, there's training, there's work, there's effort. It takes time. And we get seduced back into thinking the old way. Um, and there's a, there's a labor. Um, you know, uh, turn to Philippians. It's just a couple pages over. Turn to Philippians 2. Um, 2.12. It says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so he's talking to the Philippians, you've been characterized by obedience. So now, 
not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The idea of working out, we actually heard this at the conference um, we were at this weekend. It's not uh, bring about your salvation by work. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you have this salvation, work it out. The salvation is a package deal. You're not just saved positionally, you're, God transforms you. And so work that reality out, which is where we get into this fight of I'm seduced to trying to go back to the old man. I don't have to. I'm not, that's not who I am because I'm in Christ. I have the new man. So I'm going to say no to that. Remember who I am. And then I'm going to do some hard work of laboring to put off this particular sin issue that I'm struggling with. Uh, and I know in all of that, who's behind it? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for good, good pleasure. Sanctification at once feels very mundane. Like, um, all right, here's my sin issue. I'm stealing. That's bad. I need to stop that. Uh, okay, uh, I, let me look up all the verses that talk about stealing. Okay, I got that. Um, and then put on. I need to work hard and to share. Uh, okay, I need to work on that. And there might be relapses. There might be backwards and forwards. But the dependence as I'm doing my work is always on the Spirit of God. So I'm taking very concrete steps, making very concrete. We don't change unless we think about something concrete. It's kind of like the reality when you say, oh, I want to get together with you sometime. Well, great, that's never going to happen because you didn't put it on the calendar, right? You got to do something concrete. You got to think about it concretely. What are the concrete actions? And then as you make a concrete plan, right, put off, renew, put on, what do we do? We go to prayer and we say, Spirit, um, I know that you have united me with Christ and I know that you are indwelling me and that you, can, you are the one empowering me, causing me to obey. I want to obey. Here is my resolve for good. This is my, this is my plan that I want to grow in. Would you empower this? Would you bless it? Uh, I think it's in one of the Thessalonian letters that um, you know, Paul talks about that may God bless your resolves for good, right? And that's what this is. And this is where we live. We uh, uh, we have this yo-yo effect where we're growing or we're relapsing. We're growing, we're relapsing, but it's always that fight and that struggle to live out who we are. Um, so we are in Christ. That never changes, but we're, we're wrestling with living that out and reflecting Christ's image more and more in our life. Does that help kind of clarify it? Yeah, I Right. You know, so I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm not saying that that's what you're saying. No. Just to differentiate between, you know, that that salvation um, that God brings me into, that's there. Yes. Yep. It, there was a cool session um, over the weekend where one of the speakers was saying, um, you, uh, Christian, you will persevere. That's the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that God is behind it if you are in Christ, so he's going to carry it to completion. And then he said this, you must persevere. Both are true, right? Both are true at the same time. That is, is it me working? Yeah. But is it ultimately because God is working? Yes. You will persevere and you must persevere. Perseverance is an action, but it's an action God is behind. 
Uh, and that just feels weird because it's like both at the same time. Um, but that's where I said you make your plan, you do the concrete, put off, renew, put on in, in terms of that, that, that thinking, and then you're, you're begging the spirit to work because you know, left up to me, nothing going to change. Uh, but I have the promises and the reality that I am in Christ and that the spirit is in me, and so I have hope that uh, not perfectly, but in growing measure, I'm going to change and I'm going to grow. Um, and it's a struggle and it's a fight. Um, it's hard work, um, but it's work that's empowered by the spirit. So there's a cool illustration again at the conference. I'm just, I always steal things. So, um, but he was talking about like sanctifications, like, you know, you got this yo-yo, you know, it's up and it's down, it's up and it's down. But for the Christian, it's up and it's down, like a guy doing the yo-yo thing, walking up a staircase right? It's up and it's down, it's up and it's down, and yet, by God's grace, there's a general trend of increasing Christ-likeness. If there's not, that's when we're really concerned, right? Because uh, Christ didn't just save you positionally, he saved you in term for transformation, and if there's no transformation, something's wrong. Uh, there's not new life, um, because there's no, there's no growth, there's no fruit, so. Well, and I love the saying, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, anything else as we close? Good discussion. Good good thinking. All right, well, let's pray for this kind of transformation. And even as we come, let's anticipate the transformation that's going to happen through the morning service. Uh, let's pray for that. Father, we just thank you uh, for that you love us and you love us starting where we're at and then you move us. Um, you lo your love moves us and changes us to make us more like Christ. Uh, we know, as you say in your word, that that happens through um, seeing the glory of Christ through the word, through the word um, in the scriptures, through the word of the gospel. We pray that um, you would be with us this morning as we gather as a people um, individually indwelt by the Spirit and corporately indwelt by the Spirit. As we sing the Word, we preach the Word, we display the Word through the Lord's Supper, we pray that you, Spirit, would transform hearts, that if there be any here that do not know you, that you would bring them to conviction and that you would draw them by your grace um, to yourself. And we pray that you would transform us as believers, that you would make us more Christ-like, um, today, and that we would love one another, um, we would care for one another, we'd be unified with one another uh, for the sake of your name and your glory. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.